welcome back to the podcast. I am so happy you're here for a special edition of the podcast. This is going to be a Father's Day special with my dad. I've done a podcast once before with my dad, but I talk a lot about my family here on my podcast, and so it's always fun to actually bring on some family to do just a little life chat. We talked about so many different things in this episode. He gave some marriage tips. He talked about parenting talked about budgeting and finances and honestly it's just kind of like a chat with my dad it's a very just conversational episode so I wanted to switch it up for this one and just give you guys something because I know Father's Day is when you're listening to this it's the Sunday that's coming so it's a little bit early but I wanted to get it up the same week as Father's Day because I know that this can be a time when people are actually just very down because I know everyone's in a different situation when it comes to just celebrating Father's Day and maybe not having your father in your life anymore or just not having a father figure and so I also want to be sensitive to that that I'm just so grateful for my dad and I think that I've learned a lot from him and so I always love sharing these episodes I had someone reach out and say that they actually lost their dad I think a year ago and she really loves listening to these episodes because it just kind of reminds her of the times when she had her dad in her life so I hope this is a good episode for you guys I'm going to keep my life update short because quite honestly we chatted a very long time as you can see this episode is almost close to an hour but I'm so excited because we're actually going to Rhode Island and when you're listening to this we're in Rhode Island so I'm on a little bit of a vacation. I have been trying to finish up all my work this week just my YouTube work podcast work and getting ahead because I just want to enjoy having a week away. I feel like we've been here for quite a bit of time and yeah it just feels good to have a little bit of a vacation to be able to hang out on the beach. We're visiting Aiden's family. His grandma lives there and also his other families in Vermont so they're all coming and it's just going to be nice to spend some time with them so just want to enjoy that but I hope you guys are having a great week when you're listening. You'll notice in this episode the quality is a lot better. (laughs) It sounds so smooth and the reason is we were recording at my dad's work and they have kind of like a radio set up and so we got to use their mics and they are so good quality or such good quality so it makes me really want to upgrade my mic because it's just so easy to listen to but without further ado feel free to listen to the rest of this episode and I hope you guys enjoy. So guys I've already done the intro and told you guys about my dad a little bit but I wanted to share kind of how the setup of this episode is going to go. So dad knows that I had this sponsorship and this is not sponsored at all but it's a company called StoryWorth and it's really cool because they actually ask questions to it could be either your dad honestly like any of your relatives they will ask them a question a week and it's kind of like these questions that you don't normally think to ask people but really do share more about their life and just what they've been going through or whatever and I thought it would be really cool to actually do it with my dad just in honor of Father's Day and because even if you guys don't have an actual father in your life I'm sure you have a father figure And I just think it's a good way to kind of hear more about my dad, who I've done a couple of episodes, probably just one before, I think, one episode with my dad before. And so I thought it'd be fun to do just another one of these because it's been a while since he's been on the podcast. You want to intro yourself? I'm dad. He's dad. (laughs) (laughs) Or more affectionately called in our family, Pops. He's Pops. Even the grandkids call him Pops. But the first question that I wanted to ask him was one that I don't think I've actually ever heard the full story, but it is, how did you propose to mom? We went to a college called Cedarville University. It was in a very small town in southwest Ohio. Pretty much the university is the the bulk of the town. There was a 
part of the of the town though outside i'm trying to clifton it was called clifton gorge so it was like this waterfall area and they had this old uh green mill with a big uh what they call it wagon wheel thing that the water ends up going across and everything and a lot of people did hiking and rock climbing in that area so i picked her up from her dorm one afternoon and took her down there and we walked down through the gorge and I proposed to her in the gorge. So that was where I ended up proposing to her. So Was she expecting it? I think she was expecting it. I don't know if she was expecting it that day. Uh-huh. Uh, looking back, she probably did because I don't remember us going to the gorge that much. So she probably knew something was up. And I don't think any of her roommates or friends, I think a few of them kind of knew what was going to be happening. But uh, I don't think anybody tipped her off. Hmm. And how old were you? We got engaged our junior year, so we would have been 21. Okay. yeah, We're, we're a month it. apart birthday-wise. Okay. The next question that, that was actually on their list of questions was, what has made your faith stronger throughout your life? I, I think you learn faith uh, kind of in stages. And I think what happens is I've used two different kind of analogies or try to paint word pictures with it. I think you grow in your faith like climbing stairs. And I think as God ends up revealing principles to you, what you have to do is you have to to trust him in those principles. Or if he gives you a particular verse and tells you to end up following something, uh, as you step out in obedience and you see God honor his word and how he ends up directing you, then the next thing that comes along that may end up taking more faith, you have more confidence to trust him in that. And that's typically been how I have uh, watched us in our, in our faith along the way grow. I, I, I think probably the biggest faith test for us was going from Columbus to Chicago, because even though Columbus was a good sized city, Chicago being the third largest city in the country and um, much larger from that standpoint, that was a big step for us. And actually there was a well-meaning pastor who I had gotten to know, and when he heard that we were considering going to Chicago, he told me I was making a big mistake. But I knew deep down in my heart that was the direction that God was telling us to end up going. So we ended up following what God told us to do. The three or four, I think we were there four years. The four years that we were in Chicago were some of the best years of our life. Uh, Definitely do not miss the winter times in Chicago. Uh, We have some cold weather stories with those. But... um, you know, if we had not stepped out and trusted God, I mean, we we had a great church that we got involved in then. Um, we led a young adult Sunday school class that grew, you know, tremendously during that time. We had a lot of uh, friends in Chicago that we developed. And, um, you know, as and probably if we had not taken that step, eventually we would not have come here from to Dallas. And then over the next, you know, 20 years of seeing what God's done, uh, here in our family, as well as my career, um, I don't think any of it would have happened. So my advice when you think about building your faith, what you need, you need to learn to be obedient and trust God where you're at right now. And as you do that, I've seen that he rewards that faithfulness and then he starts ending up giving you greater things to end up following in that. Is Texas your favorite place you've lived? I would say, I would say yes. yes. I, I like, you know, Probably our second place that I like to go is Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. and uh, we just you know it's not just because family's there; it's it's just 
you know, being big Ohio State fans mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, being a golfer. Uh, Columbus, Ohio has a lot of great golf courses. It's probably due to Jack Nicholas's influence through those years. But uh, I would say definitely, and if you had asked mom this question, you know, years ago, she probably would not have said it. But today, mm-hmm. I think she's very, very glad she's in Texas. One question that I thought was really funny that was on there that I feel like you probably have a good story for is tell me about a time that you got in trouble at work. Well, this one I had to think a little bit about, but I did, one of them did come uh, to mind and it was back probably the early time that I came into the national division here at Salem. There was a situation to where my boss at the time, we were making a decision about our national sales team selling something else in the company. And he really wasn't in favor of that. And uh, we ended up in a, a big meeting with uh, several people in the company, including the CEO. And the CEO was pushing for us to sell this entity. And uh, I ended up being in favor of what the CEO was saying before checking off on that with with my boss. So needless to say, after that meeting, I got called into his office and I learned a lesson about uh, being on the same page with your immediate supervisor. And he was right. He knew more about you know, what goes on inside the company and where the landmines were. And uh, by going down that road, uh, you know, we could have ended up blowing our legs off with some landmines internally. So I kind of learned a lesson then. And now in the position I'm in now, I kind of remember that and uh, appreciate it even for all the people who work with me on my my team. Yeah. If someone on your team did that. No, nobody. "Mm." Yeah. But no, no one's done that. Were you pretty young when you did that? I would have been... Let me think how long. I would have been probably, yeah, around 30 years old. Okay. And there's things like that early on. Hopefully, you know, you're going to make mistakes along the way. I remember hearing a sales training tape one time years ago, and uh, this dad was talking to his son, and he says, son, I don't mind you making mistakes. Please make new ones. Number four is kind of off of the same career note, but it's how did you get your first job? And I'm assuming you're saying the first job post-college or really in your career? Yes. Okay. So uh, I was majoring in broadcasting and college, and I knew that no matter what GPA you had, it was all about experience. So a small Christian radio station started in my hometown during my junior year of college. And that summer, I applied to end up doing anything. You know, I said I would scrub toilets. I would end up doing, you know, take out the trash, anything just to get my foot in the door. And it was what was called a AM daytimer station, which means once the sun went down, they had to sign off the air at nighttime. So they had evening shifts. Uh, I think my shift was anywhere from like six to nine o'clock at night, depending on how, you know, what's time during the summer was daylight savings time. So out of the blue, they called me back and said uh, they needed somebody for the evenings. So I went in, and the first day, they kind of showed me where the transmitter was. Do you know how to turn this on and off and, and everything? And I said, yes. And and they said, okay, here's the log. And they walked out the door and left me there in the building by myself, and I was on the air by myself. So uh, I start I started out that summer doing that. I, and now I think back, was, that was probably my sophomore year. And then my junior year, between my the summer between my junior and senior year, I, I really wanted to end up going more down the sales and the management. Uh, track of broadcasting. So I volunteered or I asked about doing sales that summer. And so they gave me a chance at doing it. And I was able to land quite a few accounts that the radio station hadn't been able to to land before. 
And part of that was because I grew up playing golf in that community. I knew a lot of the business owners because they, they also played golf at the golf course that I grew up on. So that kind of gave me an inroad into coming into their, you know, businesses and actually talking to them about advertising. So because I did so well, the owner of the radio station then came to me and actually offered me a job upon graduation to come back to the radio station full-time in sales, which I didn't say yes to immediately. I thought, well, if this is already happening here, there might be other opportunities that I can end up, you know, exploring, you know, over the time that I go back to college. But we did get, but I did end up going back there on graduation, sold for them for one year. They bought a radio station then in Richmond, Virginia. And at 23 years of age, I was managing my first radio station. So, you know, it was kind of like, again, you know, anybody who knows me and, and starts asking questions like this will hear me talk about the faithfulness principle so much. And to think that I was managing a radio station at 23 mm. You know, that's just unheard of. And frankly, I probably screwed up more things than I got right at 23. You know, the experience that I gained at that age was just, you know, it was very, very beneficial for me. Yeah, that's to think that I'm 22 right now. I'm almost 23, but I can't imagine managing that many people, too, at such a young age. Well, this was a smaller radio station. It wasn't like, you know, we're sitting in here today recording in here in our in our one of our studios here. And it's a very different you know, scenario, when you see this, that's not where I came from. I came from a very small, I mean, that whole radio station would have probably been as big as what these two studios are here. But again, it's just kind of, you don't normally start out in a situation like this. You have to end up starting out in a smaller market or a smaller situation. And again, what I found is God rewards that faithfulness with greater opportunities. Okay, this next question is what was mom like in college? And when I say mom, I mean my mom, right. not your mom. I was just reading the question back. I was like, hopefully you didn't think that meant your mom. You know, what? besides her being very, very pretty, the the other thing that I think that stood out about her is she was fun. She, was, mm-hmm. she, she just had this kind of mischievous type of personality, and she still has this to this she day. She does. Yeah. And so I'm kind of much more even keel. I I'm think more like times, you. I'm a rule follower. Yeah, and I would end up, that would be me as well. You know, I kind of liked that in her. And uh, the first, probably the first six months that I knew her, we just kind of hung out as a group. There were several of us, you know, my roommate knew her from her days of, they went to church together growing up. And uh, that's how I ended up meeting her the first day on campus. And matter of fact, first day on campus when I met her, I told my roommate, I'm going to marry that girl someday. Mm-hmm. So eventually I did, you know, yeah, so spoiler. Yeah. So anyway, um, she was fun and, you know, then the more that I got to know her and then after we started dating, uh, over the next couple of years, then I saw more her love for the Lord or depth of her spiritual walk. And a big thing then that, that she was, she became my number one cheerleader. Uh, she was the biggest encourager that I had in my life then. And she's still that today, I would say, too. So those are the things that, when I look back, that really stood out about her. So I mentioned how I was more like my dad. And I think there are qualities of mom that I have also. But this question is, are you more like your father or your mother? It would probably, I would probably say my mom, but I think I have the traits of both. You know, when I think of my dad, my dad did not graduate from high school. He actually ended up later on getting his uh, GED degree. But she, he's always been an incredibly hard worker. The other thing that I remember about my dad 
that he really drilled home was your word is your bond. Mm -hmm. So whether you have a signed contract or not, whatever you tell somebody, that's what you end up doing. And that's always stuck with me through the years. Um, He really does care for people. And you know, you know, from having him now as a grandfather, he likes picking on people too. Oh yeah. And you definitely have that from him. Now on the other side, my mom also was a hard worker. Matter of fact, I would, you know, when I did her memorial service, I I described her as the Proverbs 31 woman because she had so many of those same traits. And frankly, your mom, my wife, has those same traits too. Um, My mom was a administrative assistant first in uh, a corporate uh, type of setting, but then she was the the secretary to the principal at our high school for all the time that I was at the high school. um, And I think probably even a few years before when I was in elementary and middle school. Um, So... She was highly organized. She was very social. She could talk to anyone, anywhere. Um, you. Yeah. That, that. And see, that was the thing that I was going to say. I was more like mom. Mom's a little bit more reserved and observant. She always says she's observant. You are always the one who's striking up a conversation with someone. Yeah, but that. But it's also because I just generally have curiosity about people. Which is good. Uh, and uh, the other thing I would say about my mom was, she was in God's word every day, and she was an incredible prayer warrior. Mm-hmm. You know, if you wanted someone praying for you, tell her because she's going to be praying constantly for you. Yeah, that's what mom always said about mama. Okay, so this one is what are the secrets to having a happy marriage? Because you and mom have been married for how long? Uh, it will be 37 years this year. 37 years. And I would say you all have a great marriage. So I would agree. Is it perfect? No. Has mm-hmm. there been times along the way she probably was ready to kill me? Yep. I'm sure there has been, but so, and these are in no necessarily order. I just kind of randomly jotted them down. And when you, you told me about the question, uh, first of all, I think what helps is being aligned spiritually. Uh, if, if each one of you put God first, then each other second, I think that's been a big key for both of us. And I know that if you find, like if you walked into the house this morning, it would be just like any other morning. You know, I was up earlier, but I was already having my devotional time. She woke up maybe 30 minutes after me. If I went to try to find her, she was off in your old room, actually, in there having her devotions this morning. So, Did you listen to my last podcast? Mm, I was talking about that. Uh, I think I did a, a little bit about that. Second thing I would say is appreciate each other's differences. I think, uh, I think we really do compliment each other. You just kind of mentioned mm-hmm. some of the stuff that you've gotten from her versus me. And I think that really does help out. Um, third thing is always extend grace uh, and be quick to forgive. Uh, I've actually, I think I've mentioned this at, in your wedding as well as your siblings' weddings that I've done, but I don't think good marriages keep offense lists. You know, you do not hold a grudge. Learn how to forgive. And the other thing you need to remember is you're not perfect either. So I think that has been a big key. Um, the other thing, never forget what attracted you to your spouse. Uh, it's easy to forget. And I think sometimes if you just go back and think through what attracted you to them, what do you appreciate about them? I think that ends up being a, one of the big keys to a long marriage. Uh, I would say also you need to approach marriage as being a server, not expecting to be served and then find things that you love doing together. And we, and we enjoy different things like Mm-hmm. I could not get her on the golf course if if her life depended on it. And 
she knows that's my outlet. So on the weekend, I'll go play. She would rather go have her own me time going to the mall or, or, you know, running errands, doing stuff like that. But she likes being by herself. So we each have our own things we like to do, but then we come back and do things together as well. Something that I always noticed too, was you guys are always on the same page about things. And I never felt like you guys would ever, at least in front of us, contradict each other. It was always, okay, we're a team and we're always going to, you know, uplift one another when we're around other people. And I mean, you probably had arguments in private, but it was never something where we saw it as kids. Uh, I would say in most cases we're on the same page. Mm -hmm. One of the things somebody told us early in our marriage was if you do disagree, you need to be disagreeing behind closed doors first. Make sure you come to a consensus and then come out to the family, you know, and, and talk. But that was a principle that really helped. But I would say in most cases where I can probably count on one hand how many times we weren't on the same page with something along the way. And this one has to do with money, but I wanted to hear when in your life did you have the least amount of money? And did you manage it well? How did you do it with having a tight budget for people who may be in a time of life, especially like the early 20s, starting their career and just are living pretty tight? The least amount of money we had was when we were in our early 20s. And it was actually when our oldest son, your brother, Derek, was born. And at the time, Kelly was teaching. So she had the steady paycheck. And at that point, I was actually in, in straight commission sales. You know, I, I probably made as much, if not more money than she did, but it fluctuated. And what we had done when both of us were working, uh, we, we tried our best and we, we were successful with it in, in many ways. We lived off of one income and we banked the other. And so that, that way, when we did want her to stop working, when we had kids, we weren't used to both of those incomes. Now you still have emergencies that come along. You still have things that you can't forecast that end up happening. So those type of things end up happening with it. But I can remember a point after uh, Derek was born and we had made the commitment. She was going to stay home with him. And there was one point to where uh, I think something happened to where one of my commission checks hadn't come yet. And, you know, it was probably going to be another week before. And we were down to where there was hardly any money in the bank account. And so... Um, we were going to be in, end up using probably peanut butter sandwiches and stuff for the next, you know, several days eating. But it was interesting. We were praying about it and out of the blue, somebody had actually owed us, I think it was like 25 bucks. Mm -hmm. And out of the blue, they ended up showing up and say, Hey, I forgot I owed you guys this money. So they came, that $25 got us through, you know, like the next several days before that check mm -hmm. ended up coming. So Again, it was a reminder of God will supply your needs and the dependence on prayer. But, uh, you know, uh, that was definitely the time that, that we had the least amount of, of money. As far as, you know, what would be my tips of getting through times like that? You need to, first of all, know the difference between needs and wants. I think what happens is in today's society, we've lost track of that. You know, what is truly a need? Food, water, shelter. You know, basic clothing doesn't mean that your whole closet has to be full of clothes. So the whole thing about delaying gratification and continuing to be grateful and thankful for, for what you have, I think God rewards that faithfulness. And one of the things that, Michelle, you and your sisters, and I think your brothers have said along the way after you got adults, 
uh, that actually you guys have said that I think is a, an extremely important principle. Uh, various of you guys have really talked about the importance of having an attitude of gratitude. And I don't know that even I thought about that that much until you guys have been saying it the last several years about it. And I do think that's one of those very important things. Are you thankful? If you're, if you're a constantly complaining person, this budget area is going to be really, really difficult for you. And then I kind of alluded to this or actually talked about about that story. You need to end up taking your needs to God in prayer. And if you're in a church or if you're in a small group type of community and you've got a relationship with other people, you need to share where those needs are. Because I think sometimes we try to be self-sufficient and we aren't open and honest with other people where we do have needs. And what happens is they may have skill sets and gift sets that they can end up helping you through a time, you know, and then vice versa. They may express a need that they have and all at once you're good in an area. And so what happens is you guys bless each other and you're not paying for all that. And so I think we are losing some of that. And that's probably another dangerous thing over the last year with these shutdowns and everybody being in isolation. I think that's, that's where Satan ends up having a field day. If you're isolated on an island by yourself, you're probably going to get taken down. Did you and mom actually do Dave Ramsey's financial piece? Dave, Dave was not around when we were coming up yet. Actually, Dave uh, is about the same age we are. Mm -hmm. So what was happening was, and if you've heard Dave Ramsey, he talks about where they made mistakes, how he went, I think he went bankrupt at one point. And so, you know, think about it. He probably would have been in that phase where he thought he was the real estate tycoon guru that he's told those stories about. Well, he would have been about the same time period. But there was another guy that impacted us and frankly impacted Dave Ramsey as well. His name was Larry Burkett. And Larry Burkett had an organization called Christian Financial Concepts, I think it was. It's now what Larry's organization used to be merged with Crown Financial, our Crown Ministries today that's in many of the churches too. Larry Burkett had a big impact on Dave Ramsey. So Larry's legacy and principles are now living on in many ways through Dave, Dave Ramsey. Yeah, because I've heard him quote Larry Burkett, but I didn't know who he was. Yeah, I'll tell you a funny story. One of our friends that we had in Richmond, Virginia, she was familiar with Larry Burkett, too. And this particular friend really liked nice things. And and Larry used to talk about if you didn't have money for a diamond ring, you know, if you were engaged, then give, what is it, the cubic riconium or whatever oh, that, yeah. that one. And so this particular friend uh, renamed Larry. She used to come up calling him Larry Brickhead. Oh, my God. The cubic zircona or that's whatever. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. It's like the worst quality. That's funny. Yeah, it comes to a point where, okay, you can also enjoy nice things. But, okay, so I've talked a lot to my audience about how we definitely want to get a house. That's like one of our next financial goals. And something that I don't think I've ever asked you or what are things that you wish you knew before you guys bought your first house? And what are things to kind of look out for and advice for people who are first-time home buyers? If you ask mom which house of all the homes that we've owned since we've moved around so much, you know, at least earlier in my career, you know, since 1999, we've lived in the same house here in Dallas, you know, for all that time. But actually, the first house that we bought in Richmond, Virginia, she will tell you is her is still her favorite house. It was a very simple three-bedroom, two-bath ranch, uh, had a very good-sized yard and everything. And this will be shocking to your generation Guess what our interest rate was when we bought our first house? I don't even know what common interest rates are. Well, I think I haven't checked lately, but I think, you know, let's say 
I think interest rates right now they're are low right now. I think they're about three and a half percent. They might even be lower. So the interest rate of our first house was 9.5%. And so, you know, when people are, you know, talking about housing prices today and interest rates, you know, and they're your generation, I just kind of sit here and go, if you only knew, you mm-hmm. know, what it was. But, you know, here was the key, I think, for us. We were fortunate where we got a really good real estate agent. So the first thing I would tell you is get a really good real estate agent, particularly your first time you're buying a house and how you do that. You know, we didn't have Google reviews or Yahoo reviews or anything in those days. You just ask people who had you know been who had bought houses and word of mouth, you know, referrals type of things. And I would still say if you know people who've recently bought houses, ask them who they used, ask them what they liked about them, what they didn't like, would they hire them again? those type of things, and get yourself a good real estate agent. Second of all, then, know your budget. Do not try to end up buying a house beyond what you can really afford and give yourself some cushion. I think one of the the mistakes that people make, particularly when they're younger, at times they fall into the trap going ahead and buying their dream home. You know, people my age, most of us did not get our dream home uh, until we were in our 40s or 50s. And today... The whole delayed gratification, although your generation in the early 20s seemed to be not as driven by that as, say, people in their late 30s or early 40s today. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- those would be a couple of things. I'm trying to think of is there anything else that I would end up saying about that. Oh, here, here's the other thing. If you, when you get to the point where you are, you've kind of isolated and, or uh, narrowed down and said, Okay, I like these two or three houses. Go go to those houses at different times of the day. Um, for instance, go in the morning and drive from the house to where you're going to work. See what your commute is going to really be like. Don't go by what just Google Maps, you know, look and see what's, you know, really goes on. How easy is it to get in and out of that development in the morning time? And then do the same thing in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. Then I would end up saying, you know, Go to those various houses in the evening time after work. What's the community look like when people are back home and, you know, out and about, or is everybody holed up in their houses? And then do the same thing on the weekends and see what life's like on the weekends there. And right now I feel like things are going so fast where people aren't even looking at houses. They're putting in offers that people are just rushing it. And I'm just hoping that slows down in the future a little bit and doesn't just keep picking up. I think it's just because there's so many people moving here from places like California. And so they see this house and they're like, oh, this is so affordable. And they're having higher salaries. And then people here are like, wait a sec, that's definitely not worth that much money. So but those are really good tips that hopefully we can use when things get a little bit less crazy. Next one is what do you consider one of your greatest achievements in life? This one was actually the easiest one. Really? Yeah. I I would say, uh, and I'm not going to say it's my achievement. I just think one of the biggest things I'm most proud of is our family. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I said it's the easiest one because, and it's particularly now when I look at you guys as adults and I look at your siblings who have kids and watch them as parents. I mean, I just like, I mean, you've shared with your listeners and your viewers how close our family is. Mm -hmm. Well, Unfortunately, you don't see that all the time today. So when I think through that, I'm like, okay, what did we really do? You know, was there something that we really did to end up creating this? Or was it just a blessing of God, which I do believe it's a blessing of God. But I also know there are things that we probably did do along the way that that contributed to this. But actually, you know, that's the greatest 
thing that I can look at in my life right now. Yeah, especially after seeing our, or my brother Derek, who's the oldest in our family. Is Derek 31? I think, yeah, he would be. Yeah, so he's 31, and he just had their first kid, him and his wife Avery, and it's been so cool. We haven't actually gotten to go up and see them. My parents are going up soon, but we've just been getting a lot of videos, and there's so many videos of Derek with Claire, and it's just so cool to see as a sibling, see your sibling become a parent, that I can't imagine the feeling of being a parent and then seeing your kid become a parent. I just think it's crazy. And going off the theme of children, what is your best advice when raising children? Okay, so I'm going to do something here off script. He's going rogue. <laughs> I am. Um, since since you grew up in our house, and since we just talked about what we talked about, I would be curious from your perspective as someone who grew up in our household, uh, and, and let me frame it this way, what do you plan on incorporating into your parenting based on what you experienced with us? There's two things that I think of. I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately, not because it's something that's on the forefront of my mind. And but... by the way, <laughs> podcast listeners, she didn't know I was going to do this to no, her. No, this one's going off. No, I was just thinking the other day, something that I see a lot are just parents who don't let their kids be kids, where they are constantly watching them and almost keeping them away from things that they think might hurt them and just kind of being more of a helicopter parent. And something that I saw with my parents, and I would say specifically mom more so probably because she was more hands-on at home during the day, we really had to make our fun ourselves. And it wasn't something where, you know, mom was always like watching us and making sure we were keeping out of things. And obviously to a certain extent, we weren't like running in the road. Actually, I feel like Jordan and Derek were always playing with their bikes in the road. But like we would get hurt and then we'd learn not to do it again or we would just go make our own fun together. And I think that's why we're so close as siblings is we were just always together and they were always my best friends. And so I felt that we just got really close. And that's something as I think of becoming a parent down the road, I definitely want to let my kids have their own fun because that was how I started my YouTube channel. I mean, most parents would be like, what the heck? You're putting these videos up on the Internet for thousands of people to see. But now it's my full-time job 10 years later, and I'm doing this right now. And I just think it's really cool how just being bored and getting to make your own fun can actually end up really great for you as a kid. So that would be the first thing. The second thing that I was going to say was you guys, this is kind of on the other side of things, but you and mom were always home. Like you weren't working these crazy hours where we never even saw our parents. We weren't always at different activities. I mean, we usually got to do kind of one sport activity, but that was it. We weren't trying to do music lessons and soccer and dance. Like we each had our thing and that was it. But other than that, you know, we were always spending time as a family. We had dinners every night and we were just very close because we spent a lot of time together. And there were times when you were busier at work, but it was never going a year of you coming home at 8 p.m. every night or anything like that. And I think that was really important as a kid where I just got to see my parents a lot. And I think I was more likely to share things with them. And I imagine if you guys just weren't home as much, I probably wouldn't have opened up as much and just been the person I am today. So, so here are the things that I wrote down when you gave me this, this question. Number one, love them. Number two, tell them you love them. Uh, along those same lines then, show them that you love them by how much time you invest with them. And you just alluded yeah. to this, you know, be it your activities, you know, playing with them. I still remember uh, at times wrestling in the living room and I had all five of you jumping on top of me in the living room. So you just need to have fun, you know, with, with your kids. 
And I think today we, we don't just end up having spontaneous fun a lot of times. And today, you know, one, you know, your mom takes Ezra and Charlotte to the, to the playground. And one of the things she said is how many times at the playground, the parents aren't playing with them or they're sitting over there and they're on their phones all the time. First of all, in this day of trafficking and, and kidnapping kids, that's dangerous mm-hmm. just to start out with. But then when you think about, do you want to really engage with your kids? And I mean, that's a big problem today. And and when we were raising you guys, cell phones weren't that big a deal. You so, said the little ones, right? We didn't even have, well, first, when we were in Richmond, we didn't have cell phones. Oh. First cell phone, the first mobile phone I had was what was called a bag phone. And literally you plugged it into a cigarette lighter in your oh. car. And so if you weren't in your car, there was no cell phone. So the days of Having this phone in your pocket all the time, that wasn't even thought of at that point. And in many ways, I think that's why families were closer together then. So anyway, those things, uh, another thing, provide honest affirmation. And I I like that honest affirmation. Yeah. You know, where you see that they have opportunities and where they're good at something, encourage them them in those areas and actually try to help them find how how they use those skills or talents. If they can't sing, obviously don't try to force them to be in a choir. If they can't run fast, you don't want them in track. And so, you know, getting to know each one of your kids and where they're, they're really good. I mean, a good illustration of this is, is with Derek. I mean, from the time that he was a little kid, he liked books. Today, he's an executive editor at Crown Publishing, which is a division of Random House Publishing. And he edits big-time author books. And so... <laughs> If you look back and see, God had already, you know, wired him in that, in that way. Uh, you alluded to this. It's one I wrote down, eat meals together regularly, and we did. And I think uh, today families that do eat together and they have actually conversations around a dinner table are healthy for those kids. And then this is not least, you know, this isn't the last thing. It actually should have probably been number one. Focus on instilling God's values in them. And remember, values are caught more than they're taught. So you got to model them more than just talking about them. Yeah. That's funny you said the thing about the phones because last night we've been hanging out in our dog park at night because so many people come in and it's funny you just get to chat with them. And there's this one guy, his name's John. He's been there a few nights now. But we were both on our phones when he walked in. He's like probably in his mid-60s. And he goes, you guys are too young to be sitting there on your phones, not chatting. He just called us out and was like, oh, wait, yeah, we probably are. We shouldn't be doing that. And then we talked to him for an hour. And you just realize how much better it is when you're just being present in the moment, not being on your phone. So, okay, what is one of the most difficult things that you have done? I would say in 2003, I left the company that I'm back with now. And and the big challenge was, uh, for those who don't, you know, I don't remember if I shared this story before. Our pastor at the time approached me about leaving here and going on staff at the church as the executive pastor. It was a big decision because I was going to take a significant pay cut. And keep in mind, we have five kids. And at that point, looking out on the horizon would have been college educations coming up. And I, I literally remember as I was praying through this and talking to God about it, I was like, how in the world are we going to end up paying for five college educations if I take this big of pay cut? And we were talking about faith earlier. This was another one of those big faith moments. And it was almost like I audibly heard, well, you're not going to know until you trust me. And, you know, just fast forward ahead, 
uh, two, you know, a couple things. One, all five of you came out without any college debt, which is the biggest blessing in the world. <laughs> um, and then the the other thing that ended up happening, I came back to Salem in 2010, and you know, within I think it was about three or four months, I was back in the in the same position I was before. And then at the end of 2014, my longtime mentor. Uh, and boss here at Salem retired, and I ended up with a lot of his responsibilities plus what I had before. So, again, I don't think that any of that would happen. And actually, uh, Greg Anderson is that person I talk about, and he was the longtime president of this radio network. And when I had come back uh, to Salem, we were at a dinner one night, and he was sitting next to Kelly and I. He said, you know, I think those seven years away from Salem is going to help us more than we really recognize, you know, the time that I got away and actually served in the other capacity, but I picked up, you know, new perspectives and things that I would have never picked up if I hadn't left. And he was even recognizing that experience was going to play out and help us here in this company now in the role that I'm in here today. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Did you come back to a similar role that you were in before when you came back? I came back in the sales division, but then within about three or four months, Greg asked if I would take back over the national sales division. So I did. And then, you know, several years later, or a few years later, he retired, and mm. now I'm in the role that I'm in now. And now you got the office with the shower. <laughs> Actually, it was his office. <laughs> I thought it was. Yeah. I always tell people it's in your office because I think it's so funny. Okay. Okay. So we talked about having little money, but now if you could have as much money as you wanted, what would you do with it? I don't think that you would end up finding it would be a whole lot different. You know, I would pay off our home, the remaining part of of what we owe on it. I'd keep finishing all the home repairs that we kept kicking the can down the road while we were paying for you guys' college educations. You know, as we've said, where our biggest joy comes from is being with our family. So I would lay aside money and, you know, for things like, you know, to be able to go on vacation together. We can end up, you know, helping and paying for those type of things. And then I know how much your grandparents blessed you guys along the way. We want to do that with our grandkids. And the fact that we have five grandkids or five kids, if you do the math, if you guys follow suit like us, we're going to have an awful lot of grandkids down the road. You have three right now. And we're having two, two more, more in August. Two confirmed. Yeah. And so... Are you got any news no. for us or something that I'm <laughs> Guys, not? Guys, <laughs> this is actually a pregnancy reveal. No. Yeah. No, I just think it's so crazy. It's going to expand so much, though. And Are so, you excited to see Claire? I am. Absolutely. Yeah, we're absolutely excited. And then, you know, I would say being able to support ministries and end up doing, you know, supporting, you know, organizations that are pointing people to Christ. Um, those are probably the biggest things. I, if you sat down and ask Kelly if she wants to go on all these you know, crazy trips or, or, you know, she doesn't. I mean, we, uh, yeah, we really don't. And so we love our home. We love, you know, hanging out with everybody. Um, so that's probably what we would end up doing. I was going to say you should save and keep, keep the house for a while. Cause it'll be worth a lot. And even a year, <laughs> I know that this one, I heard mom was telling me how you were planning for these questions. And she said, you were thinking of this one. You couldn't think of it. What is what is one of the worst trips you've ever taken, and what went wrong? Well, this is when you guys were really young. I, I don't even remember. I know what you're about to say, but I don't even remember this. That's how young you were. Yeah. I think you were you weren't you may have been one year old yeah. or something like that. So, we lived in Chicago at the time, 
and we were going to end up going back to Columbus, Ohio to spend the week with uh, Kelly's mom and dad and, you know, Michelle's grandparents. About the time that we get ready to, to roll out of Chicago and head to Columbus, I forget who was first, but it might have been Jamie. I don't remember who. But one of the kids came down with chicken pox. So we end up going ahead, going to Columbus. By the time we get to Columbus, at least one or two more had chicken pox. And by the time we got to Columbus, all five of them had gotten chicken pox. And so it was crazy. You know, I can't remember Did how many. Did you guys Obel, get, you probably had a Mom, vaccine. I think, had the vaccine. I never had the vaccine. Oh, really? And I must huh. be immune because I didn't get them. Yeah. And they say that if an adult gets chicken pox, it can be very, very, uh, I don't know about deadly, but it'll make you really sick. Yeah. And it can also lead to shingles. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, but I was fortunate. I must be naturally immune because I never got them. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know how many oatmeal baths we did that week. Once we got there and you guys got, you know, settled in, it was a fine vacation. But, you know, it was the trek from, from Chicago to Columbus mm-hmm. definitely uh, was pretty memorable. I can't even imagine doing that drive with five. Were, did you drive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Doing that with five kids. Well, that one wasn't as bad. That one was a shorter trip than the trips that we've done from yeah. Columbus back to North Carolina or Columbus. Yeah, but we were so young then, too. Mm, that's true. We were probably still annoying, though, when we were older doing it. I just remember Jordan and Derek would bungee cord a TV to the console in the Suburban, and they would just play video games, and they put the three girls in the back. Which is always the worst. Okay, this one is, what are the top five things that you and mom have in common? You kind of touched on this one a little bit. Yeah, I'll probably be a little bit redundant here, but I would say our love of God and, you know, wanting to be able to to share Christ with uh, the others that we come in contact with. We both like to exercise, even though we do different things. You know, while while we talked about the me time, we love being, hanging out together. And for us, hanging out together is going out to eat or just run errands together or, or, you know, we, we bought, we, our whole family likes Ohio state football and basketball. So one of the best things in the fall is nearly every Saturday at some time we schedule everything around when the ball game's on and have the uh, tailgate food and everything and watch the ball game. I think today you could say there's two breeds of dogs that, that we like German shepherds and golden retrievers. Yeah. Uh, so we don't have a golden retriever. Michelle does. So Cash comes over and we get Cash our fill out. Cash comes over very frequently, too. That's He's about true. to spend a week with them, too. We love hanging with the family. We love enjoying our home. That's you know, We like some of the same type of, or we mainly like the same type of foods, Mexican, steak, barbecue. Mm-hmm. So Okay, but this one I think is interesting because I think I've always talked a lot about things that you're good at. But I'd love to hear what you think are the top weaknesses that you struggle with. I think my biggest weakness is I'm not a big risk taker. And you would think in this role that I'm in here that I would be more. But um, and one of the things one of my mentors had to help me understand is, you know, when I can see about 60% of something, I need to pull the trigger and um, at that point make the decision. He said, you typically want to see 100% of everything. So he says 60% for you is like 90% for most people. And so that's something that I constantly have to end up working on is know when it is a legitimate, you know, low risk type of thing or when it's a prudent risk to end up taking. So I would say uh, that's the biggest thing that I struggle with. What's the first major news story you can remember living through as a child? I thought this one was really interesting. 
Uh, the first one that I remember, this one was hard. I had to think back and everything. And it makes you realize when you're real young, how much do you end up remembering? So I would have been seven years old. And I can remember Buzz Aldrin landing on the moon, you know, in the first you know step that he ended up taking on the moon. Everybody was glued to the TV sets watching that. So that was the first thing that, that stood out. And then the other thing that I remember is, uh, you know, like I said, I was just starting to really get into basketball at that point. Well, this was the days of Wilt Chamberlain and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So I can remember in the playoffs, the L.A. Lakers had Wilt Chamberlain and uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was playing for the Milwaukee Bucks. And both of them were over seven foot tall. So you had these two seven foot centers that were, you know, NBA all-stars, you know, throughout their careers and Hall of Famers you know, battling each other. So I, those are the, that's the sports thing that I remember and actually the biggest news story probably. That was actually one of the questions was if they remembered when he landed on the moon. So it's funny you said that. Mine was, I guess, 9-11, but I was so young that I don't actually remember it. I felt like the other siblings probably remembered it more because they were at home. Have you ever been really unhappy and how did you get through that time in your life? I don't think I know of a time you felt really unhappy. There were times with jobs <clears throat> and phases that I was not happy. And so how, and, and even, even yet to this day, I think I probably handle those type of situations the same way. So the first thing I try to do is, okay, stop and turn this over to the Lord. And actually just, you know, in your quiet time with him, express how you feel. Uh, and then you need to end up waiting on him to give you either direction or let him deal with it. Uh, and, and sometimes in, in the timing, he'll end up dealing with it. Other times what will happen is uh, he'll end up dealing with you to maintain a proper perspective uh, on something. And, uh, you know, sometimes he'll end up changing your perspective to where you get an education with it. And other times he opens up doors. And uh, so that's typically how I've ended up handling the unhappy times. And this one is a more happy note. Have you ever pulled any really great pranks? I think I might know the one you're about yeah, to Yeah, probably say. The, the biggest one. So we were, as a family, we were at uh, Myrtle Beach. And uh, we were there with my mother-in-law, father-in-law, my dad, my mom. I forget how many of you were, were born at the time. But there had been these break-ins in the condominium there at the that we were staying in or the condominium complex so my mother-in-law and i got this idea because we were going to dinner together and then my mom and dad uh brother and sister-in-law were going someplace else for dinner that night and they left before we did so what we did is we said well what if we end up staging like this place was broken into so we ended up pulling out clothes you know drawers and everything we had it staged actually pretty good so we go out to dinner and we come back and we pull into the parking lot for the condominium. And strangely enough, there is a police car in the parking lot. And immediately I'm thinking, surely they didn't end up calling the police. So we were on probably the third floor of this condominium complex. And you had this outdoor porch area, you know, walkway that you did. So actually my father-in-law, uh, Michelle's grandfather, was walking ahead of us. And he walked up there, opened the door and everything, and looked in, obviously could see inside before we could, and looked back like uh, had this face like, you've been had. So we walk in there, and sure enough, the police officer's sitting in there, and 
my mom, oh my you know, Mama, who uh, Michelle talks about her grandmother, said, we've had an incident here tonight. I had to end up coming clean with what had happened. And thankfully, the police officer had a good sense of humor and just kind of laughed it off. He had been sitting there waiting for us. You know, really not not a whole lot. It was the combination of my mother-in-law and I coming up yeah. with the idea. So, I thought, anyway. what was the story? Was it Papa who lit the poop in the bag on fire? Oh, <laughs> yeah. He, was, now, he was a, no, no, it wasn't me. Oh, okay. That was him during his younger years. He he was. He got in trouble all the time. He was rambunctious. Yeah. His, his sister actually was allergic to poison ivy and would get poison ivy and get out of school. So he wanted to get out of school. So he actually ate poison ivy to try to end up doing it. And he still didn't get it. Oh, so. my gosh. I think he's going to live till he's 110. He's resilient. Yeah. Okay, last question is, do you think you are the same person you were as an adolescent, or do you think you're very different? Probably I'm very similar. I didn't really get in a whole lot of trouble when I was in, you know, growing up in high school. I was pretty uh, responsible, got good grades. You know, I was very much in the last several years of high school and into college, into golf, played, you know, golf in college. You've talked about that before. Overall, I would say I was pretty respectful to parents and adults and everything. Um, the difference today is just because I'm 59 and have had a lot of life experiences, I would hope today that I'm wiser than I was then. And, um, you know, the more that you study God's word and you apply to God's word and see it playing out in your life and other people's lives, it, gains, it gives you more confidence, I think, to depend on the Lord. And so from that standpoint, I think I understand God better today than I did then. I, I, I definitely know more of God's Word today than I did then. And, um, you know, I, I would say that would be the, the things that I'm similar then and maybe a little bit different today. Yeah. I always wish we could see our parents when they were teenagers. That may be comforting. It may end up... Uh, <laughs> Changing your perspective <laughs> of your parents. True. Well, that is everything that we have for this episode. If you guys liked this concept, I did just want to say I do think that StoryWorth is such a good gift idea. I'm going to have it in the show notes. Again, this isn't sponsored. I did do a sponsored video with them, but I just think it's a really great way to get to know more about your parents or honestly anyone. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing more from my dad. I feel like I mentioned a lot of stories from my childhood growing up, so I think it's always fun to bring on the people themselves so i hope you guys enjoyed this episode if you guys want to hear from more of my family members feel free to let me know i love doing these i want to do another one with my sisters here soon too because i think that those are so so fun to do and i just think it's interesting it switches it up from solo episodes with just me so if you enjoyed feel free to subscribe. I post every Monday here on the podcast and I love just getting to do some live chats with you guys. And also feel free to write a review if you enjoyed. If you're on Apple Podcasts, that would really mean a lot. That really helps bump up the podcast and just helps it be listened to by more people. So I hope you guys enjoyed and I'll catch you guys in my next episode. Bye friends. (music) 